Hi, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. So, apparently, and I'm just finding this out after listening to today's interview, William Shakespeare had a son. His name was Hamnet. I think you can guess which play he inspired. Novelist Maggie O'Farrell thought it was a shame that more people didn't know about him, so she wrote a book titled Hamnet. It was one of the buzziest books in 2020 when it came out, and it got a bunch of accolades and placement on uh, year-end lists. But... A lot of folks might have avoided it because Hamnet actually died at 11 years old, and that might have just been too dark, especially if you have your own kids to worry about. O'Farrell spent some time in this interview with NPR's Mary Louise Kelly talking about what it took emotionally to write truly about one of the worst things that could ever happen to a parent, losing a child. But here's the thing. This fictionalization of Hamnet's life and the life of his parents has just as much light as darkness in it. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, treachery, and survival at the edge of the world by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. How much do we really know about the inspiration for one of the most famous plays ever performed? When William Shakespeare sat down to write Hamlet, his son, his only son, Hamnet, was some four years dead. Hamnet Shakespeare only lived to the age of 11. His death was recorded. The cause was not. In her new novel, Maggie O'Farrell sets out to imagine who he was, how he died, and in doing so, to imagine the interior life and family life of the father, William Shakespeare. The novel is titled Hamnet, and Maggie O'Farrell joins me now from her home in Edinburgh in Scotland. Maggie O'Farrell, welcome to All Things Considered. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. When did you first learn of Hamnet? I can remember exactly when it was. I remember exactly the moment. I was 16 and I was in a very cold classroom in Scotland and I was studying the play Hamlet. Um, I had this absolutely brilliant English teacher called Mr Henderson and he just mentioned in passing when we were studying the play that Shakespeare had had a son. And even then I was really struck by the names and I thought, what does it mean? What does it mean for a man like Shakespeare to call a tragedy like this uh, after his dead son. Spelling, and of course, in Elizabethan times, was a lot less stable, so Hamnet and Hamlet are, in fact, the same name. So from there, when did you start thinking, well, maybe there's a book in here? You know, I studied literature at university, and I read lots of biographies and criticism about Shakespeare. And I think at that point, I was very frustrated, actually, that I felt that Hamlet was really overlooked. You know, in one of these big sort of 500-page biographies of Shakespeare, Hamlet is lucky if he gets a mention, maybe two Mm. mentions. And it always felt to me that Hamlet, the boy, wasn't well-known enough. So perfect for a novelist. You can can make of him whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but it's funny. I I made several attempts at writing the book, and then I kept veering away from it and writing other books. And I realise now, actually, that what was stopping me was an odd superstition. So I have a son and two daughters, like the Shakespeare's did, and I couldn't write the book, I realise now, until my own son was very safely past the age of 11. Not that there was much risk of him contracting the Black Death, but I just couldn't do it. I couldn't write a book about a mother who sits down at her child's deathbed and is forced to watch him die and then has to lay him out for burial. I just didn't want to go there. 
you do. I mean, in writing this novel, Hamnet, I, I don't think I'm giving too much of a spoiler away. He dies. And that required you to imagine what it would be like to, to lose a child and the guilt and the fury and the grief that would follow. You write so beautifully about that in in one passage that I wonder if I could get you to read for us. Mm. This is the mother, Agnes, who is preparing Hamnet, her son's body, for burial. She, like all mothers, constantly cast out her thought, like fitting lines, towards her children, reminding herself of where they are, what they are doing, how they fare. From habit, while she sits there near the fireplace, some part of her mind is tabulating them and their whereabouts. Judith upstairs, Susanna next door, and Hamlet. Her unconscious mind casts again and again, puzzled by the lack of bite, by the answer she keeps giving it. He is dead. He is gone. And Hamlet? The mind will ask again. At school? At play? Out at the river? And Hamlet? Where is he? Here, she tries to tell herself, cold and lifeless on this board, right in front of you. Look, here, see. And Hamlet? Where is he? Because she can't get her head around it. Because how could any mother get their head around that you're preparing your son's body for burial? How did, I mean, how did you do that? How did you go about trying to get it right? So it was, I mean, it was tricky. I did find that, you know, I was looking back in in a diary I wrote a couple of years ago. It covered the time in which I was writing the novel. And I I just came across this completely blank uh, double page. And on it was written one line and it said, I killed Hamlet today. I remember dreading it as I was coming up to that point in the book and I found that I couldn't write those scenes um, in the house where my children live. I had to write them in the garden. And we had, we had actually this really ancient, dilapidated potting shed and I actually sat in there and wrote those scenes um, and I did it in about 15-minute bursts and I'd have a little walk around the garden and then I'd come and do another 15 minutes. So Because uh, you didn't want to easy, have it under, think... under the roof where your children live. Yeah, you know, I think that it is obviously, as you were saying, it is every parent's worst nightmare. I can't imagine a worse and more visceral fear than to have to bury your own child. You know, it goes against nature and the natural order of things. But it is, it's one of those things, you know, it's not a huge leap of the imagination. If you love someone as much as parents love their children, you just have to turn it inside out to understand what it might be to lose them. You know, I think a greater part, a great part of love is fear of loss. Huh. I mean, what else do we actually know about the link between Hamnet, the boy, and Hamlet, the play? Do do we have any insight into how this may or may not have inspired Shakespeare to write it? Well, it's hard. I mean, I I am wary about imposing Shakespeare's biography on his work. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we all have to be wary about that. But the, uh, I took as my guide the list of dates as the uh, from the Globe. The Globe have a list of them, and they listed Hamlet as 1601, which is four years after Ham, Hamnet the boy died. And it's funny, you know, if you go back and read the play with the sort of wearing the spectacles of the idea that this child died four years before this play was written, it, it seems so it seems so obvious in a sense that. This is a play about fathers and sons and absence and loss and grief and the inability to deal with grief. You know, it causes this enormous chasm within you. And of course, you know, there is, I mean, there is a story which I read. I mean, it's possibly apocryphal that Shakespeare himself played the ghost in the first productions of Hamlet. And of course, I I slightly forgot. And then I read the play again and I realised the ghost is also called Hamlet. Hmm. And you get this idea of this identity that's been separated in two 
the son is alive and the father is dead. And you can understand, you know, if you've lost a child, there is that urge in you. You wish you could take their place. You know, you only have to watch your child suffering. And, you you know, any parent is overwhelmed by this urge, thinking, I will take that. I will have your pain. Let me have it and spare the child. And I don't know, to me, it feels so obvious. It's so it's so evident to me that the play is a kind of response to the loss of this boy. Mm. That's Maggie O'Farrell. Her glorious new novel is titled Hamnet. Maggie O'Farrell, thank you. This was a pleasure to read and to talk to you. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. One other question that occurs to me that didn't quite come up in conversation, but which I am really curious about, which is this. You, you never actually use Shakespeare's name in the book. Why not? Well, I, I just couldn't. Um, because, you know, I mean, his name carries so much heft. And I just found that I couldn't write his name in a sentence like William Shakespeare came downstairs and had porridge for breakfast. You know, it just even, you know, even saying it makes me laugh. And you just feel instantly, you just feel like an Egypt. And so I call him, you know, he's always he. He doesn't have a name. He's the husband or he's the father or the playwright or the actor. I needed people, in a sense, to forget who he is. I wanted them to think about him as a human being. Yeah rather than the behemoth that we, you know, know him as. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.